are listening to a sermon from Sojourn Church in Fairfax, Virginia. We hope that this is an encouragement to you no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. If you're not already, we would encourage you to connect to your local church. If you'd like to find out more about Sojourn in particular, please visit our website at sojournfairfax.com. May God bless you now as you listen to the preaching of his word. Beloved, I wish <laughs> I wish that I was present with you as I get a chance to walk with you through the scriptures. I wish that I was with you. So one of the things that I've been doing is, is asking the Lord to help us, one, help me to forget that I'm speaking into a camera and to help you forget that you're looking at me on a screen. Heavenly Father, would you bless us? Would you bless us with the power of your scriptures that are not shackled by any virus, that your word is still powerful, that your word still is filled with hope. And even though we walk through the valley of the coronavirus, even though we walk through the valley of despair, even though we walk through the valley of discouragement, even though we walk through the valley of having to be a, a homeschool student, even though we walk through the valley of the panic that we all are experiencing on some level, even though we walk through the valley, we will fear no evil because your rod and your staff comfort us. As we reflect on, as we read over John chapter 5, would you bless us, Father? Renew our affections. Renew our attitude. Renew our actions so that in the midst of this time, when fear is creeping around every corner, we will know how to live by faith. Father, please bless the preaching of your word. I love you so much. Counsel us and comfort us, Father, now. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we all pray. Amen. Beloved, I don't know about you, but, but every text message I get, every time I turn on the news, Every time I go for a walk with my kids or a walk with our new puppy, I sense fears just lurking around every corner. I've been more tempted over the last couple weeks to fear things that I wasn't expecting. Every time I get a little bit of a cough, I think, do I have the coronavirus? Every time I don't exactly practice social distancing and I walk instead of six feet, I walk four feet close to somebody, am I going to get it? Am I going to be okay in serving my kids if now I'm a, a homeschool teacher? <laughs> the joke in our home, or at least in my head, has been, I think my kids are going to get dumber in this season if they have to hang out with me. I don't know what it is, but we are experiencing something that is historically not known by a lot of us. A global pandemic that in us is in, on some level evoking a panic. And in the midst of this panic... We are called to live by faith. 
and not by fear. So if you would, please open your Bibles with me to John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18 will be our focus. It is in the Gospel of John, the fourth book in the New Testament. So please turn there. And us, as we focus our minds, attention, and hearts, affections upon the Scriptures, may we live by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So I pray that you hear well today. So please open up your Bibles. Grab a pen. Grab a piece of paper. If you don't have those things, hit pause. And go get those things. And let us dive in to the scriptures together. I will read the passage slowly and offer comments as I go along. After this, starting in chapter 5, in the Gospel of John, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. After this, what had just happened? Well, Jesus had just healed an official son. This official came and ran to Jesus out of great desperation and said, Jesus, I need you to heal my son. He's on his deathbed. And Jesus said, essentially, go. Your son is healed. The official finds his son to be healed. And has an experience with Jesus that not only changes his life, but changes the lives of everyone in his household. Right before that, Jesus had just got done interacting with a Samaritan woman. A woman that God said, Christ said, I know everything that you've ever done, and I love you. And I want to give you water that is unlike any physical water so that you do not thirst. And God used her to reach a whole new people group. And so this is where we come today. After this, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. As he's in, walking into Jerusalem, he goes into the sheep's gate. Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Can you picture the scenario that Jesus is walking up into Jerusalem? He chooses to go through the sheep's gate, a gate that he didn't have to go through. But yet again, we see Jesus going out of his way to do something to leave us in awe of him. And he walks up to a pool, but it wasn't just one pool. It was two pools covered over. And there he sees a multitude of people in desperate need who are lame, walk, can't walk, blind. Can you just picture that scenario? Just seeing a bunch of people who are in desperate need laying around. Well, what's Jesus going to do? How does he respond to such a place? One man, in verse 5, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. You will see that there is no verse 4. It goes right from 3 to 5. 
verse 4 is taken out of this manuscript, and there's a note. If you are in the ESV Bible, there is a note in the bottom of your Bible that essentially says it was taken out as, a, um, as there was an addition added later in, some believe, that talked about how an angel of the Lord would, would step down into the pool and stir it up, and whoever was first in would be the one that would be healed. But the ESV has decided not to include that here. And so he sees one man. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? Beloved, early on in my Christian walk, it was this passage along with other ones that invoked in me a crisis of faith. You see, I, as I was reading this passage years ago, one man, the one just kept sticking out in my head and then I was in a season of my life where I was traveling pretty extensively and I was just seeing abounding needs around me. I was seeing whole groups of people that if they were to die, that moment, they would pass into hell, separated from Christ's love for all of eternity. I then was on another plane to, to Haiti after the earthquake, where I just saw all these people suffering, and it was just almost too much that I couldn't take it. And so it was passages like this that I really struggled with, where it says, one man. Lord, did you not see the multitude that needed you? Why just this one man? It's not clear from the text of why Jesus just chose this one man. As we'll read later in the text, it says, Sin no more. After he heals him, he says, Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. There, there is in that a potential that that this man's suffering was due to direct sinful actions, choices that he made. And in that, I'm not saying that all sickness, all suffering is directly related to the sin in your life. We will see that in John chapter 9, where the blind man is there. And Jesus is asked, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus kindly says, none only so that the glory of God would be on display. But in this story, the, Jesus only heals the one. And I really struggled with that, that Jesus, did you not see the multitude? I thought you were filled with compassion. I thought I read in your word that you're filled with compassion. I've been told that you are this merciful God, kind and gracious, that none shall perish. But, but I only see one here that you've healed. It's a scary place when you get up from your morning devotion and you're captivated by the thought. Have I placed my faith in a fraud? Have I placed my faith in a, in a fake? And so as I got up from my devotions during that season of life, I was oftentimes confused and discouraged, but grateful. Now looking back, grateful that 
He will hold me fast. Because you see, in that season of life, God kept me coming to His Word. I didn't get so discouraged that I was done with Him. I stayed in the Scriptures, and I kept asking the Lord. And at that point, I learned that the Lord's shoulders are big enough to carry my concerns. That He's big enough to hear my fears. He's big enough to hear my doubts. But one of the things I learned in this process, you all, is the power of just meditating upon God's Word. And I, at this time, became very familiar with Romans, with Romans chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, where it says this, For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. This is Paul who is very acquainted with grief, is very acquainted with suffering. Right into the Roman church. And then one of my favorite passages was this. Romans 11. 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are your, um, how unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him? And through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. And that passage became one that I would walk and meditate upon. And it was in this that I learned. Our God is sovereign. His thinking is not our thinking. His ways are not our ways. It's okay to ask questions of God. But let us not question God. It is okay to ask questions of God, but let us be careful when we question God. You see, during the season, God used yet again His Word to smoke out within my heart an entitlement, a pride because when I was questioning God, I was essentially saying, God, if I was you and I know better than you, why didn't you do this? Beloved, it is okay to ask questions of God. But be very careful. Tread lightly when you slip into seasons of questioning God. May His Word comfort you. May his sovereignty in the midst of the uncertainty of this pandemic comfort you. And also in this, I'm reminded that a sister recently in community group shared with me that another passage that where Jesus left needs gone unmet is a sweet reminder to us 
that we won't be able to meet everyone's need in our life. I don't know about you, but right now, during this coronavirus, needs just are more than they normally are. And at different moments, I feel the pressure that I need to meet those needs, whether they be emotional, mental, or physical. Just because there's a need and you become aware of it doesn't mean it's God's will for you to meet that need. Jesus left needs gone unmet. And so let us jump back into the verse. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Jesus saw him and knew that he had already been there a long time. Jesus saw him and knew him. There is no privacy when it comes to our sovereign Lord. Anything that we do in private, anytime we use that word, is only but something that we can keep maybe from ourselves and from other people, but we all stand before God. Fully known. And if you are in Christ, you are fully loved. He has sown something into each one of our lives that we each have a desperate desire to be known and loved. But there is only one that can see all of you, that can know all of you from your birth to your death. There is only one that can see all of you and still say, I love you. That can still be like Christ who says, I'm, I've come for you. I've come to save you. And so he saw and knew that this man had been there for 38 years. And who was this man? It was a man who, whose whole, his whole life was characterized by his suffering. He has suffered longer than most of you have been alive. And he responds to Jesus by saying, I have no one. Read it slowly. I have no one. Do you hear the loneliness in his voice? Do you hear the, the hopelessness that is set in? Do you hear the pain that isolation has brought on? And some could even say, do you, do you hear in his voice a, a frustration? Have you been there, beloved? Where you feel alone? Where you feel hopeless, where you feel desperate? Have you been, like the psalmist says, David, in verse Psalm 119, verses 82 and 83? For my eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? Have you ever felt that way? How long? I'm so weary, Lord. When will this affliction pass? When will this stress pass? When will I get some clarity on whether I will have a job or not? 
Now, you, you may not be an invalid, but I'm betting during this season on some level you're experiencing isolation that you've never felt before. I pray that it comforts you, that Christ sees you and knows you, and that He's not just willing to pass by you. Think about how many people stop And saw this pool of invalids and did nothing. But Jesus stopped. He stayed. And he asked the invalid one of the most interesting questions that I have found in all of Scripture. Do you want to be healed? At first, when I read that passage, I thought, well, is Jesus being sarcastic? Well, that seems like such a dumb question. Well, of course he wants to be healed, but... You see, Jesus, when he's interacting with this man, when he's interacting with his disciples, when he's interacting with you, when he's interacting with me, he wants a relationship with us. And so he, he asks the invalid, do you want to be healed? Because he's wondering, has this invalid just, has this man been in suffering for so long that he's just resigned himself to his state of life? Has he given up hope? Also in that, Jesus asks questions to expose the motives of our heart. Oftentimes, one of the biggest reasons why I do not come to Scripture when I need wisdom and insight. And after walking with Him for 20 years and caring for people for 18 of those years, Oftentimes we don't come to Jesus because he's going to ask us difficult questions. He's going to bring us into a process where we have to do the hard work of heart work. We have to get at the beliefs that are driving our behaviors. Because Jesus knows there's always more to the story than what is what is seen on the surface. But he also asks this question, I believe, because he knows that this invalid who had been sick for 38 years, probably defined himself by his suffering. And Jesus knows that when he heals somebody, when he gives someone hope, his whole life is changed. That there is a cost to following Jesus. There is a cost to being healed by Jesus. And Jesus just wanted this man to be conscious for a sec that once he's healed, he'll have to get a job. He won't be known as the invalid who just lied around and was all alone. His whole identity will be changed. Do you want to be healed? As I was reading that passage, I was reminded of John 6. I'm sorry, John chapter 3, where it says this. John chapter 3, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him interacting with a sister this week that I asked that question. Do you want to be healed? 
Do you want to get better? And when I asked her that question, she said, yes, but, but there's a cost with that. Yes. There's a cost to following Jesus that you are not left up to your wills and your wants anymore. As we see that Jesus talks about later on in the passage, it says this in verse 17. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working So not only do I pray that God's sovereignty comforts you in the midst of this pandemic, I pray that the very fact that that Christ, that that Scripture is going to ask you questions and is going to speak to you so that you can live by faith and not by fear. I have no one, back into the passage, put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, so by the power of his word, he doesn't even have to get in the pool. By the power of his word, he says, get up. Take up your bed and walk. Pay attention to the word, get up. You'll see it repeated. And at once the man was healed. At once. And he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Jesus had healed him. Jesus not only longs to heal people, sometimes that means physically, but he longs for the most important, for the healing of our souls, as each one of our souls are sick with sin. He says this, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. He doesn't just say, enjoy your ability to not be sick anymore. He says, enjoy your ability that I have given you to obey me, to speak with me, to walk with me, to stay with me, that that we have been invited into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The rest of chapter 5 embraces those texts more intimately. And so just in closing, as I meditated upon these texts, one of the things that became increasingly clear to my heart is that these Jewish leaders 
were so self-righteous in their laws that their hypocrisy blinded them to the mercies of Christ. That their hypocrisy blinded them to the miracle that just took place before them. Because did you see that you noticed none of them said, wow, the man who once couldn't walk is now walking. The one who'd been sick for 38 years is now up and engaging us. So one of the things that I'm praying as we continue to study the God's Word and study the Gospel of John is that we see the growing hypocrisy of the Jewish leaders who are mad at Jesus, who are willing to kill Jesus for working on the Sabbath, doing things that actually God never said couldn't be done on the Sabbath. We see them working on the Sabbath, yet they're being hypocritical. Christ followers, we all will wrestle with on some level hypocrisy where we tell people not to do the very thing that we go out and do, or at least we tell people not to sin and then we go out and sin. The aim isn't to only speak to people when you're being perfect. Don't hear me say that. The goal is to grow in holiness every moment of every day, to be like this invalid turned healed man where he said this, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. At once, the man was healed. During these troubling times, you all, let us live by faith and not by fear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Hear well, get up and walk. Faithfully is unto our Lord and he will comfort you in a way that will leave you in awe of him. And as you walk, practicing social distancing, don't forget to smile at people. They may not have seen a smile in a while. Don't forget to say hi. And as you get opportunities, be faithful in sharing the only thing that will give us hope and healing, the very words of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Please help us to walk faithfully as unto you. Thank you for being sovereign. Thank you for being a God who speaks, who knows me, who has created in me a desire to be fully known and fully loved. And not only have you created that desire, that you're actually the only one who can meet that desire. Forgive me for at different times when I demand that of others, that they know me and love me. Lord, forgive me for my self-righteousness. Forgive us for our self-righteousness that when we question you, we think we know better than you. Where were we when we create, when you <laughs> created the foundations of the earth? And Father, help us to be obedient listeners. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for what he's doing in our lives. Help us to walk faithfully as unto you until that day when, when we get a chance to see you, as you say at this. An hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of, of judgment. 
a resurrection is coming. Father, please help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon from Sojourn Fairfax. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at sojournfairfax.com. Go in peace. Thank you.